like a moment from a horror movie. You have been hanging out in the wrong clubs, Mr. Wayne. I've seen this movie. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Join the club. We've got jackets. And you stole it from a movie. We want you in our club, kid. Hey everybody, welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke, and with me as always is Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And we are here to wrap up Unwanted Month of June 2021. And these are sequels that nobody asked for, nobody wanted, nobody wants after we got them, depending on the movie, because some of these have been good, and the last one was funny. Uh, And we're going to be talking tonight about (laughs) The Exorcist 2, The Heretic. This is a movie that was forced upon me by my good friend and podcast partner, Matt Hudson, after I, mean, I lost an Oscar pool two years ago. And I finally uh, upheld my part of that wager, if you will. And I dragged Corey down with me. Um, so, I have so many comments. Maybe drag. So maybe first not. of all, is he, is, is, he, is he a friend? And also, I'm just always impressed that even if it is two years later, you still always fall through, follow through. Like, even with... I you know yeah i i've had this movie since then too that's the thing i bought it i just was like i've had it's been busy um (laughs) and i've just you know finally but i figured it would be better as a podcast episode so here it is and literally it is the inspiration for this whole theme um the entire theme was (laughs) so i could fit this movie onto a list um but uh we will also be um talking about what what we've been doing since the last time we recorded what we've been watching and at the end of this episode we will introduce our topic for next month uh July 2021 um and the movies that we plan on watching uh next month assuming everything goes smoothly and we don't run into any weird like availability issues or whatnot but um so with that uh Corey let's talk about what we've been doing how how's your week been it's fine <laughs> I'm glad ah. it's over. <laughs> I don't know um, where my time has gone. Mm. You know, I don't know. I went to the dentist on Wednesday or something. Mm-hmm. And they had to numb my mouth. Not once, but twice. And it took me... I was told I would be fine by dinner. But that is not what happened. Oh, that's no that good. not what happened. So... I mean, there went, you know, half a day. But, yeah. So, I mean, that was fun. Guys, floss. Take care of your teeth. I've always brushed my teeth, but I hate flossing. I'm better now, but, you know. Um, yeah, it's it's not fun. No. Um, yeah. So, you know, that's all. Mm-hmm. How about you? Well, I've had a busy week. Um, last Saturday... We had a, uh, a work gathering, like a celebration. Um, it was the first time I've been in a large group of people. Most, most to my knowledge, all have been vaccinated. And so we were uh, encouraged to, to be free. And um, I wore my mask, and so did one of my friends, but my wife didn't. And no one else was. And so after a while, we were kind of pressured to just accepting this that if you're vaccinated you're probably safe nonsense that i'm still like so apprehensive about um which there's actually a term for this when you uh i really i haven't fact checked this outside of the guy who i heard it from but it sounded very real like that we are adaptable but we have a hard time returning to normal because we've now adapted and i'm definitely that fits like my whole life experience like i have a hard time like returning to the the way things were like if we get into like a loud argument i have a hard time like not feeling on edge about it kind of thing and that's how i feel right now with like all of this is like is it really over i'm like not ready to believe that it's normal again and i know it's not it's not for a lot of places but florida definitely is acting like it is and that makes it harder never acted like it was a thing like for like a month, right? we were hardcore, and then it was just like, never mind. Um, we're done. But I have lived in a d- different state where you know I've not literally I've lived in a different mental state, um, and have actively you know worn the mask, and I still I have like all sorts of masks. I, I'm still wearing my mask in most scenarios. Like I, I will talk about a movie I saw today in the theater. I wore my mask even though now my theater says mask optional, which made me not thrilled. Um, but again, Florida. Uh, so 
uh, I was at a social gathering on Saturday, and then one of my coworkers who was at that social gathering is uh, she has been. I don't want to say too much, but she oversees. She's going to be teaching in a school, uh, so she's moving. Um, like on Tuesday, she's leaving, go out of the country, and uh, so we had a going away party for her tonight. That was a surprise party, and so I have been to two parties, neither of which are like parties. They're like dinner, basically, you know, because we're we're grown. We don't party, um, and like uh, tonight was like a catered barbecue on Saturday. It was a catered uh, prime rib or salmon, or you actually could have both, and I had both. And old oh, man, Corey. Um, so good. And uh, tonight, the barbecue was great. It was the best ribs I've ever had, I think. Uh, but um, it was funny because right before the surprise party, she hasn't mentioned this to me at all. Like, uh, She hasn't said anything or whatever. And then today, she messaged me like, we're going to dinner with our friends, but I, th- I think they're throwing us a surprise party. And I thought I responded in a way that was very like, what? No, that's crazy. Um that sounded convincing, I thought, in the message. And then when she got there, she's like, you gave it away. I'm like, what? No, are you for real? I was, I, I literally bragged about how good I did to Kathy and then to my <laughs> friends that were also going to the party. And then she's like, your response was like, it was a giveaway. I'm like, really? I totally thought I played that perfect. <laughs> so I failed. But um, she already had figured it out. I just helped confirm her suspicions. But I thought I did a good job. Apparently not. Um and but it was it was still fun and um you know we're getting to say goodbye to to a friend who uh is predominantly like a person I speak to in chat like I talk to her a lot on text I have a group chat where we talk a lot of politics and and things we are all very like minded people uh, she's a history teacher so I kind of use her as a resource um for my own lack of knowledge of the political systems and. Uh, so our, our friendship will remain mostly the same, even though she's in another country, because it is predominantly through text and chat anyway. So, um, but it was still fun getting to say goodbye to her and, and, and being social again, um, something I'm not known for before the pandemic. And so this was like, like deciding to go to the faculty party. Like when I was walking up to the house on Saturday with Kathy came to both as well. When I was walking up to the, the first one though, um, one of my friends and coworkers was like Birkenfield and an after uh, after school activity. Like I'm just like, shut up. I do a lot. Like I spend a lot. Of, it's not like I don't do anything. I just don't do work stuff. I'm I'm doing my other things. I'm doing this. I'm podcasting. I'm watching movies for podcasts. I'm reviewing movies. I'm you know at the gym. Like blah blah blah. Like I keep busy, and that often keeps me away from socializing. I think maybe the pandemic has made me like, maybe I need to be a little more visible with the people that I do care about and the people I work with, I care about, you know, we, we spend a lot of time at work together. So I, I felt like I needed to be visible. So I wanted to make sure that uh, I went to these two things and um, it was noticed, I guess is what I'm saying, which is kind of funny. Uh, but uh, otherwise, and then I've, I've played magic a couple times this week, um, which is always fun. Um, Cause that's the thing I like to do. But yeah, I've uh, been staying super busy. Uh, it feels like the summer's flying by too quickly because we're almost in July and we go back like in the first week of August. So I'm kind of like, uh, yeah, um, not super thrilled about it. And, you know, there's all sorts of new policies in place about teaching that stresses me out because I don't like being micromanaged anyways. Oh. Um, and I especially don't like being micromanaged in what feels like a different time period in country. Um it, it's it's a little i don't know if everyone knows what's happening in florida but they're banning all sorts of things that we're not allowed to talk about in schools and the it's it's it doesn't feel like we're living in the same place that we've lived our whole lives so crazy and scary um but who knows uh how that's gonna hold up so anyway uh let's get to the lighter stuff what have we been watching since the last time we recorded Corey? uh i haven't watched too much but i'll let you go first Okay, I also haven't watched too much. Uh, rewatching Shit's Creek because it's just great on my lunch, and honestly, I mean, I just need that in my life <laughs> in the middle of the day. Um, and then I went with my sweet dear husband. I had no idea he wanted to see Cruella, and so I was like, "Oh yeah, I'm oh. going to the movies, going to see Cruella." So I uh, went with him again. I did not realize how much of the beginning of the movie that I missed trying to get my small popcorn. Hmm. And bottle you of water. You did mention that they, they took a long time. 
because they don't have Coke products anymore. Um, Regal, yeah, they went Pepsi. Yeah, who drinks that junk? When you think I've about had a diet Pepsi every time I've been to the movies, this... I I they're helping me save my money. So thank you, Regal. But also, I have a new favorite theater, so I'm only going to Regal when I have to. Um, so we went and saw that, and we both really enjoyed it. I loved seeing the whole movie. You know, um, and then yesterday I was trying, I was supposed to go see The Conjuring with a friend and we ended up deciding to change our plans. We're going to go see it late tomorrow night. I say late, it's nine o'clock. I'm like 87 years old, guys. <laughs> I don't usually <laughs> go out that late, but, um, so we switched around our plans and I was able to make an evening screening of the Sparks Brothers. Yes. And. I mean, I loved it. Duh. I also love when I go to movies where there is like one or two other people in there, but they're That's like theater all the time. Stoked about it. Um. <clears throat> yeah. So saw that. Uh, I just really uh, loved for it. Those out there, the Sparks Brothers is the Edgar Wright documentary. Um, it debuted at Sundance. And uh, is is starting to get its theatrical release, but it is a documentary which don't get a lot of big theatrical releases. But this is a little bit higher prestigious one because it's Edgar Wright, and this is his first documentary. Um, I got I did the uh, Sundance at home and watched it live there. He they did a Q and A afterwards. Um, oh, nice! Uh, with the Sparks Brothers and, and Edgar, which was great, and um, <laughs> yeah, I I knew nothing about the Sparks Brothers I and only was knew so one fascinated. Song. Was it the song they did with, um... What's her name from the Go-Go's, I think. Um, I liked a lot of the music No, that's right. That whole album that they did with Franz Ferdinand, which Mm -hmm. I remember listening to it, and I have it on vinyl, but I've never gone back to it, and I still didn't, like, delve into who they are, so my bad. But, sorry, you've liked them while watching the documentary, but... Uh, Yeah, I... Well, not a but... It's just their music is very, like, unique. And so it's not always my vibe. And so, like, I I ended up, like, I tried listening to them a couple times, and I'm just like, yeah. I would need to, like, really, like, pick songs that I like to listen to. I don't think I could just, like, throw on an album kind of thing. You know what it, I mean? It's very overwhelming to me when I find out about a band. And, like, in this case, they have 25 albums. And mm-hmm. it is, like they said in the documentary, where do you start? But there's, like, a four LP box set that I'm going to start looking into. And I tried to listen to it. I thought maybe they would have made a playlist or something. But all I could find was a four-track EP. Um, but I did listen to that today. I just, I think it's so fascinating and so awesome that they do what they want. I feel like they there's do. such a level of success with that. I think that there's, you know, like... I don't know. We've talked about this before that like success is different to different people, but I think like having so much creative control and stuff is probably pretty great for artists. Definitely. And I mean, they, they definitely struggled as a result. I think yeah. um, in that, like, I don't feel like most people have heard of them in the same way that they've heard a lot of the bands that, that are inspired by them. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, which is why Edgar wanted to do this documentary so much was to, to, make sure people were aware of this band that is super influential and very much ahead of their time. You know? Yeah. Like when they were, I mean, I don't want to really talk, talk, talk about it, but it just started screening in my area on the 18th and it's already going away. I think after Sunday. So, and they're only doing like 11 AM screenings here on Saturday and Sunday. It's only at one of my local theaters really. Um, so, I mean, if you're interested at all, if you love music at all, I or like Edgar Wright or there are some really cool musicians who are interviewed in this or like different like people like actors and stuff. I would say to try to see it um, because I just thought it was really great. Yeah, I'm actually messaging one of my friends right now because I want him to see it. Um, I'm like, if if it's playing, if uh, the Sparks Brothers is playing near you. Hi, friend go see it um 
he's a music podcaster. I guess I could, uh, this will be a, a Craig who's been on the podcast. Um, he, he does uh, music musing. Um, so a little plug for his podcast. I've been on that a couple of times and I'm supposed to be on it again soon. I, I've just been really bad at uh, Tribeca really slowed me down because it was just, I felt overwhelmed again because I had like an obligation to watch all these movies. Um, which was fun for like the first three days. And then I was like, I really regret this. And then now I'm like, oh, it was so much fun. But uh, during I was like overwhelmed. I haven't been writing as many reviews over the last year. And this kind of put an obligation. And I didn't know going in, but I found out through emails um, that whenever we watched the movie, the PR people would know which press people watched it. So we would get like a direct email from that person. Like, hey, we know you attended the screening. What? I was like, ah. Oh. Oh God! Um, I haven't written yet, and I'm panicked. And now, um, or like some we like I, Matt and I like alternated, so he would write a review for one, and I would watch, you know. Um, and then we were also doing the podcast episodes, so I'm just like, uh, yeah, hang on. Um, but oh my word, uh, can you imagine that being your job? I mean, yeah, it would be different. I guess I don't know. I used to really enjoy doing it, and I don't know. I, hate I, I actually do know what kind of triggered the the. I I, I think often, I know too. Yeah, uh, so it's is and it's been it's been trying to push myself back into it. And I gotta say, um, Aha fans, thank you. You have helped a lot because they apparently really liked my review of the Aha documentary. I guess um, it's one of my most liked tweets ever, which is still not very many. I want to clarify, I am not anyone famous, so my my tweets are like. If I get like ten likes, I'm like, wow, cool. I had like I have over fifty from the Aha documentary. Lots of like Hell fifteen yes. or so retweets. Um, so yeah, uh, apparently because I liked it, uh, I've been praised again. Not they're not saying like I wrote anything great. They're just happy that I liked it, I guess. But nevertheless, thank you. Um, if maybe you're listening to this podcast now because you saw my review of Aha the movie, um, which I did really really like, and I, I think I talked about it last week on the episode. Um. Uh, is there anything else you've been watching? Because we we kind of did like a micro review on the Sparks Brothers, but because we both love it so much, no, that's it. So I have watched uh, I watched Loki uh, episode three on um, Disney Plus. I really liked that show so far. I was already a fan of Hiddleston as Loki. Um, this just kind of reaffirms that love. Uh, I've watched a few movies. Most of these were at Tribeca, which is now not available, um, but some of them will become available soon. But I watched uh, my I think. One of my favorite films that wasn't a documentary uh, from the festival is called The Novice. Um, and it is, uh, it might be my favorite narrative film from the festival. Um, it's really good. It has uh, similar tones and themes from movies like uh, Whiplash, um, uh, The Black Swan, and uh, The Wrestler. Uh, and then there's some stylistic things that remind me of Fincher, um, like The Social Network and Gone Girl aesthetically. And uh, it's a story about a girl named Alex Dahl um, who is on, she walks onto the rowing team at her college and uh, becomes super competitive with it and like gets really obsessive and like works, you know, endlessly to try to be the best and what that entails and like what drives her. It's, it's, it's like you see in Whiplash, which I think is one of the best versions of it. And it shares some stylistic elements with Black Swan where it goes into like a fantasy kind of element to it. Uh, it's really, really well made and does a great job of really putting you in this character's headspace. Um, watch the movie called The God Committee, uh, which stars uh, Julia Stiles, who I had not seen in a little bit and thought she was really great in this. Uh, also, Kelsey Grammer, Janine Garofalo, who I hadn't seen in a while either. Um, and in smaller parts, uh, Dan Hedaya and Coleman Domingo, who I'm a fan of. A very compelling movie about a, a committee at a hospital who decides who gets a heart, you know, in the event of a transplant. And like, so there's a list of people and, and the process they go through in deciding who to give the eligible heart to. Um, it has some other narrative elements that play in, but it's a very compelling film, easy to watch. Um, well, tough to watch because subject matter wise is tough, but like very, very watchable. Um, watch an Iranian film called Ballad of a White Cow. All three of these are from Tribeca. Uh, fantastic movie very tough movie the premise is very beginning of the movie we witness a wife go to uh the, the actress also is one of the co-directors and writers 
Um, she goes uh, to see her husband who's in prison and he's about to be executed and pulls back to the full prison. We hear her scream, the implication being that he's now been executed a year later. And it turns out he was innocent. The actual murderer confessed and the, the government's sorry. And we're going to compensate you with some money, but not a lot of money, but some money, uh, the, the usual amount. And she's just not okay with that. So she starts like a small kind of political war. She wants the judges who sentenced him to death to apologize basically. Um, and uh, while she's waiting, working on that, she, uh, a man who owed the husband money shows up to give her the money and they start a, f- a friendship. And there's some stuff that tied into that. It's very, very interesting. It's very well performed. Some interesting cinematography. I really, really like this movie a lot. So those were the last three Tribeca films. But the important thing, Corey, I ventured out at 11.30 this morning, expecting the theater to be empty because it's 11.30 on a Friday. Apparently, six other people, um, which is still... I was waiting for like 40 people. No, but considering the movie, six was not as many as it would have been had I waited till like the evening. I assume I went to see F9. If you don't know what that is by its title, that makes sense because all of the other movies in this franchise have much longer titles. But this is the ninth canon entry of the Fast and the Furious franchise. Technically, it's the 10th movie because Hobbs and Shaw count as a Fast and Furious movie. At least it says so in the title. Um, but this is F9. Uh, I was avidly against these movies for a long time i I loved the first one when it came out i i was just out of high school i think when it came out and i was really into it uh i i was like who's this vin diesel guy he's real cool um and paul walker is is charming you know let's not joke um i hadn't seen iron giant until we did it on the podcast a couple years ago um but uh I really like Fast and Furious. I didn't like Tokyo Drift. Uh, I'm sorry. I didn't like Too Fast, Too Furious. I didn't like Tokyo Drift very much. I actually didn't mind it as much as Too Fast. But then I, I didn't watch them for a long time. And I, I got caught up with the franchise right before Hobbs and Shaw came out. I bought the box set on like a really good sale. I got the first seven movies and then I, I've got eight on Voodoo or whatever on sale. Watched all of them. I do think they're stupid. But there's something about them that I do enjoy. Most of the time. I don't love every single one. I love Han. Han is hands down my favorite character. And I also think Ludacris is an underrated actor. I think he's really, really good. Um, especially compared to a lot of the other people in the movie. Uh, including Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel, sorry. Vin, you're likable, but you are not a good actor. And he's getting old now, Corey. And it's it's noticeable that his, he doesn't have the flexibility or movement that he used to have. Like He, he looked a little stiff in some of the action sequences in this movie. Um, that said, F9 is insane. And I think it may have hit this. It's into the parody element of itself because characters are starting to question how in the world they're surviving the stuff that they're surviving within the movie. Um, and that's a weird choice. Uh, we see Justin Lin return to this film. Uh, he's the one who came into uh, the franchise with Tokyo Drift and, kind of has guided it. I think the only two he didn't direct are seven and eight, I think, um, which he stepped away from to do Star Trek Beyond, which I really like. Um, not everybody likes Beyond. I found Beyond awesome, and I will I will stand by his decision to have the Beastie Boys be the, the weapon at the end of that movie. I love Oh my God, it's so um, fun. It's so fun. And so I, I like Justin Lin as a director. I don't know if F9 is as good as some of the other ones, it may not be his fault. Cause again, he left for two movies and he's having this retcon some things. And he's uh, the thing about the fast and furious franchise is if a person showed up at any point in any of the movies, they think they can reference them and everyone will get it. Like it is like that true to the franchise. We're like, it, like there's no way I was supposed to know all of the people that I, that were in the movie. And like, I started like, okay, so that person's from one of the other ones, I guess. But it's still fun. 
as much there were moments where i was like i was talking out loud to myself i'm like oh god and things like that because there's some stuff where it's just so bad they go to space in this one that's not a spoiler that's in the trailer I and i don't can't. mean they get in a spaceship no they no go in a car they're in a car no! specially equipped to go in space again <laughs> in the trailer in the trailer not I've a spoiler it at all costs um but yeah, I, I still at the end of it, I still was like, okay, when's F ten coming out? Because I'm, you know, I need I need closure. Um, I hope this is the last one because they are getting they're getting they officially aged Dom in this one because they they do some flashbacks at the very beginning of the movie and it's like 1989 and he's like 18 in, in 1989. I'm like, hold up, dang, this is important because that means he's like 49 or or 51 or something. I didn't do the math right, but uh, like they they give him an age which i'm like oh that's a that's a risk uh to age your main character in a a franchise where you know increasingly unrealistic things happen like we don't need to know how old he is we would just believe he's young forever <laughs> like um but yeah so that was uh today and then i again i went to that uh surprise party earlier today so um i had a busy day today surprise asterisk. also <laughs> Uh, Taylor got a computer gaming chair today. Like it came, I ordered it uh, on Prime Day, but it came in today. So I also put that together. So I I had a busy Friday. Um, But I think that brings us to the movie of the week. We're here to talk about 1977, The Exorcist to The Heretic. This movie has a 3.8 IMDb user score, a 39 meta score, uh, directed by two men, John Borman and then apparently Rospo Pallenberg, uncredited. I do know that Borman is did the majority of this movie. I'm wondering if Pallenberg stepped in when Borman got sick, because apparently he almost died because he caught some type of weird fever in uh, one of the filming locations. Mm-hmm. So it might be that Pallenberg just wrapped up the rest of the film. Or he started it and left because there was a lot of drama with this script. Uh, I just read this really great article I'm going to reference several times. I've only read one article, but it's very good. Uh, the movie stars uh, returning as Reagan, Linda Blair, uh, but also Richard Burton, Louise Fletcher, and there's one more name that's necessary. Max von Sydow is shown several times. I don't think he shot any new footage. I think it's all footage from The Exorcist, if I'm not mistaken. Uh where is the other woman? There she is. Kitty Wynn is relative, uh, relatively important. Ned Beatty shows up in this, who just passed away recently. So that was cool. Um, he's not in it very much, but nevertheless. And then uh, he flies the plane that he takes the father to uh, the weird location. Um, James Earl Jones as older, uh, as an older guy. Um, and, uh, well, some Lotus, uh, everybody. Star some Lotus. We've got some Lotus up in this movie. Um so I want to start with this before we talk about our take on this film. This is a quote. Uh, it's not a quote. It's a paraphrase, but this is from the article. The article is from uh, sci-fi wire. Um, it's sci-fi.com, like the web, the TV channel sci-fi. So S Y F Y. Um, they have like, I guess a newsletter kind of article area called the wire. Um, this is written by Kaylee Donaldson. Uh, the title is, Is Exorcist 2 The Heretic Really the Worst Sequel Ever Made? Uh, she wrote this in November of 2018, so it's not that old of an article. But in it, she has this quote, uh, paraphrase, sorry. Martin Scorsese said that this film surpassed the original in terms of its take on Catholic guilt. So not saying it's good, but if if you're looking at this movie or the first Exorcist as a as a parable a parable excuse me um, for Catholic guilt, this movie does a better job according to iconic director Martin Scorsese. So that said, Corey, what did you think of the Exorcist Two: The Heretic? Okay, first of all, I have a plea. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I just need everyone to know that, John, you keep taking me down with you. Down with the ship, (laughs) y'all. And I would like all of your friends that you do all of these 
cool movie things with to please keep me in mind when they try to punish you. Um, Because I'm going to start taking uh, it personally. But hold on. I didn't drag you down with me with Medea's Halloween 2 because we all lost that one. No, I wasn't a part of that. You were too. Okay, so I probably wouldn't have followed through. So Okay. Okay. So, just being completely honest here, I have lived my whole life without watching a Medea movie. Like, I've unfortunately, I think that maybe I've seen a couple minutes of the plays because I have family members who are fans, but, like, I can't remember ever watching one myself. But anyway, so, this movie was terrible. It was terrible on so many levels. I don't really know a lot about Catholic guilt because I wasn't very familiar with that. I wasn't very familiar with Catholicism until, you know, I started dating my husband. <laughs> so, oh, okay. like, my, my husband's family is Catholic. So, But, I mean, that was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, but I, like, even, yeah, but I mean, I was like... When I learned that they were Catholic, I must have been like 18 or 19 because we went to a funeral. But we don't really talk a lot about religion. Um, I don't know. But it, it, so it's, I don't know. I just, I still don't know a whole lot about it, guys. Um, so I couldn't look at it, the movie that way. But I had some issues with this movie because Reagan is still young. But I still feel like they're, like, sexualizing her in weird ways. Um, and some of the effects that they use in this movie are bad. And the thing that surprises me the most is that people could watch this movie and not like it, but then go on to watch the third one. Or was that like hmm. word of mouth? Like they were done after the second one, but then someone uh, was like, know. oh no, it's actually really good. You know what I mean? Like, so people go back. I would venture to, to say it. that's probably true. Um, I don't know. I have not seen the third one. I've seen the fourth one. You have? Um, which <laughs> I did. I actually saw it, that in the theater. Um, uh, with because but there's a there's a oh. whole other thing with the fourth one because there's two different cuts of it what and i think one was only released because there uh it's it's a weird story matt's better at telling that but i've never seen the third one um which is in 1990 so they wait 13 years before we get a third one and then it's another like 14 years i think before we get the fourth one if i'm not mistaken okay so before we because we don't do spoilers uh we don't talk about too much about the movie before we get into it I didn't I, I definitely didn't like the movie. I did find it to be Okay, so one visually, I thought there was a lot of interesting if not way over the top stuff in it, right? Like there's a lot of mirrors in this movie. Um and I thought I was like, wow, this there's a lot of thought put into the set and the look of the film, which is saying something. Um because I think when we think bad movies, like like Sleepaway Camp 2 everything looks bad right like the the it's not supposed to they didn't know how to they didn't have the budget like you can't tell me the girl was supposed to be breathing when she was a corpse i love it i hope it was on purpose but see that you're that's the whole idea there is that it's so bad it's good again the exorcist 2 takes some major swings that i think miss but they they take these ambitious ideas and try now this article is definitely defending this not that it's good but that it's not the worst movie and i agree with that i don't think it's the worst sequel ever um and i don't i don't think sequel camp 2 is the worst sequel ever because but one of the arguments that is made about this film is that it's not really a sequel it is reagan and it is obviously it's talking about the events from that movie but it's not trying to further that it's it's almost taking a completely different <clears throat> approach to what um I, forget, I always forget the name of this, the creature or the demon that possesses her. It's Pazuzu. 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 
and so that technically is a spoiler, but that's from the first movie. So it's a spoiler to the whole franchise, not to this specific film. But um, I thought I thought Linda Blair was good in this. Is she reading bad dialogue? Yes, but I thought her performance was solid because she's she's got to do a lot of stuff and she gets to be more of a character in this movie than in the first movie because in the first movie she is you know the demon she just does messed up stuff that's horrifying and some of it is like hard to ever erase from my my brain mind you it makes it hard to watch Um, it again yeah i don't know how matt watches it all the time like the idea of sitting through it is not something that i am appealed like i looking at it as a study piece i would be more inclined to go into it than just watching it for pleasure no offense to my boy matt um i i I didn't think the father was a really compelling character and I didn't fully understand why he was making choices that he was making throughout the film. Um, and then there is like towards the end, it gets even more uncomfortable, but overall um, I don't want to get into the spoiler territory or whatever, but I I didn't like the movie, but I definitely thought I was going to hate it more than I did. That said, um, I have been on a bit of a horror kick, uh, and I've enjoyed Everyone lately. I don't. Maybe it's just because like the world is like a nightmare. So it's like, hey, why not watch some of these movies that I've put off for all these years? Um, and uh, I, I have found horror movies cathartic though lately. Like I've actually, whenever I sit down to pick something, I, I am leaning in that direction right now. Um, or like I've had a really strong urge to watch The Sandlot for the last day like i and i haven't done it yet but i really feel like i need like the nostalgia pull for a minute and also it's a summer movie it, it everything about the sandlot's a summer film and uh it, it's it's great fourth of july too because they, the fourth of july scene in that film is one of my favorite sequences in that movie when they all stop to look at the fireworks it's just it's just such a like kid moment you know where like they're all into this but then the fireworks they just they, they're awestruck um anyways I, I expected to really be mad at this movie, especially because Halloween, Medea's Halloween, I hated that way more than I hated this. I would much rather watch this movie again than Medea's Halloween. I mean, go ahead. I'm sorry. That movie felt like it was just making fun of movies, like it, and not in like a parody, like you know, Mel Brooks Spaceball sort of way. It's just like, like aren't movies stupid? Let's just make a bunch of crap. We'll get some really bad actors, and you'll give us all your money, and nobody will give two craps. Like this movie's trying to do something. I don't think it's successful with a lot of what it's trying to do. The dialogue is real bad at times. Um, there were several moments where I was like, "Oh God, why?" And uh, some of the decisions with with things that how they play out or whatever are definitely cheesy. Um, but again, like there's stuff here that's interesting. And again. I would much rather see an earnest attempt at a movie. Even if it's not what, like, cause again, when I, when I'm going to reference stuff from the article that I think kind of supports my take on this, cause my honest reaction after it was over was like, should I have hated that more? Cause I, I felt like I was like worried. Like, why didn't I hate this? Like it's, it's this movie that's like reviled. I think for Matt, this movie's at complete odds with the movie he loves. And so it's easy for him to hate this. I think The Exorcist is a great movie. I would not say I love it though, right? Like I and I've only seen it really once when we covered it on this podcast, and I thought it was great. But that's my only real interaction with it. So for me, this was just another movie that is referencing something I've seen versus it being like the follow up to a movie I adore. You know, um, there are sequels that I hate because of the love I have for the first movie. Um, none are coming to mind right now, but they definitely exist. I know. I need to know what you think the worst sequel ever is, because I couldn't even, like, keep my... I couldn't even, like... I try not to look at my phone. I try not to do anything when we watch movies for this, but I had a really hard time doing that. I mean, this might be the worst i i'm not gonna lie i was doing other stuff while watching this i'm not because i doing that usually. i normally don't i know especially for the podcast i normally don't but i kind of knew what i i knew that this wasn't going to be a great movie so i was content with like allowing myself a little bit of 
flexibility because I was going to have to sit through it. It's two hours. Um, I did watch it though. Like I don't want it to be like I wasn't paying attention. I just, you know, there were things where I had like I would stop what I was doing and like really focus in on uh, when I, I I took some notes as I, I do a lot for this podcast. Um, one of which was uh, Lotus POV. Uh, locust sorry locust pov uh because there's a part i i thought it was so weird because like i also didn't know what it was because i've never seen a locust in the way that we see that locust the one that's like the main one i guess um i thought it was a moth and i'm like what why are we seeing a moth why was that moth there and then i was like oh it's a locust i got later but the first time it pops up and then it, we cut to his pov like looking down at him from the room i was like what is happening why okay but um yeah, it's not a good movie. I'm not here to defend it. But I definitely thought I would be angrier at this movie um, than I was. And again, I do I, I do think the movie deserves a little bit of credit because I, I think, or at least maybe Borman deserves a little bit of credit because he's doing stuff. Again, doesn't mean it's going to work, but I do like to see a director try things rather than um, a movie feel like it's just you know, like Sleepaway Camp 2 doesn't feel like they're trying anything. It's like, what is, what's missing in Sleepaway Camp? Oh, there's not enough nudity. So let's get as many boobs in this movie as we can. Um, what's popular right now? Ah, oh, slasher flicks. Well, let's reference as many slasher flicks as we can inside of this movie. Um, you know, let's, we don't have any budget, so we'll make the effects look it, like Sleepaway Camp 2 looks like a HBO movie from the eighties. It doesn't look like a movie that would have been in theaters, Skinamax, right? Max, you mean? Yes, it even you're that's much more appropriate. Yes, it's the Skinamax uh, late night horror films kind of thing. Um, and those have a special place. They're campy, right? Um, this movie was supposed to get a theatrical release. They wanted this to be the, the normal sequel thing for horror movies, which is people really like the first one. Let's get the next one out as quick as possible. So that we can monopolize, right? Exactly, because people want to see it. Like, A Quiet Place too. that was my big fear when they announced it, right? I loved A Quiet Place. They're like, oh, we're doing a sequel. I'm like, no, why? It's not going to be good. I'm like, go for it, Jim. But then when Krasinski announced that he had a plan for it and they were giving him creative control, I was like, okay, maybe it can work. Because my initial, initially when they said the sequel, he had said no. And if you listen to his interviews and stuff, that was, he was like, I didn't want to do it again. I thought we told the story, but then I had an idea. And I like what he did with the second one. I don't think it's perfect. I don't think it's as good as the first one, but I do think it's very close. And it might be one of the better horror sequels. And then you have like, you know, we have all the Friday the 13th, all the Nightmare on Elm Street, all the Halloweens. There are plenty of examples of, of horror genre going in the wrong direction. And this movie does that too. But it doesn't feel like he tried to appease the audience, right? Like, why are there so many scenes of hypnotism in this movie? You know what? Let's pause. Let's get into spoilers. Okay, guys. From here on out, we are going to talk about this wonderful movie in great detail. You have been warned. So, you're telling me you didn't like the flashy light hypnotism, Corey? No. Do you know how often I watch movies or go to shows and I'm like, God, I'm so glad that I don't have, like, seizures or anything. You know, so mm-hmm. I don't yeah. have one. No, I felt like maybe they were trying to do too much. I don't know. Because there was that, like, hypnotism stuff. <sighs> yeah. You again, loved it? It's, I did not love it. That was never stated. Um, but again, so this article starts with a quote from another uh, critic, Mark Kermode. Um, Exorcist 2 is demonstrably the worst film ever made. It took the greatest film ever made and trashed it in a way that was on a, one level farcically stupid and on another level absolutely unforgivable. Everyone involved in this, apart from Linda Blair, should be ashamed of for all eternity. That was the quote from Mark Kermode. That's I think, sparks this article that Kaylee Donaldson wrote. Um, and I think it's got... It, she makes a lot of points that I have now kind of already referenced... Um, that there's a lot of ambitious swings and that like there, the mirrors she references, which I also, when I was watching it, I really was like, the mirrors are cool. It's a weird choice. It, 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 but it feels like it feels eighties, even though this is 70, uh, what did it say? 77, right? Um, it has like more of an eighties aesthetic to it. Um, I, but I, I think Blair plays it with a lot of sincerity and that's 
surprising because it could have been way campier. Like if we were to, to look at her performance versus Sleepaway Camp 2's uh, Springsteen performance, she's like aware that it's a B movie sequel, right? Like she's making jokes and she doesn't, she's, she's almost winking at the camera. Linda Blair is not, she's, she's committed. She's Reagan, you know, and there's some parts where it would have been real easy to just be silly, but like, there's the part where he's seeing her on the left. It was very much the, the angel demon on the shoulder. Cause like Reagan's on the one, uh, he, she's on the left of our screen, but she's on the right of the, the woman therapist. And then in the reflection, but somewhat there is the, the possessed Reagan from the exorcist. And they're like kind of fighting for the, the therapist. Um, uh, it should be noted that John Borman, uh, his two other big films, I've also not seen. One is well, well regarded. And another one is, I think, argued as one of the worst movies ever made. Um, the Deliverance, which I've never seen, but is supposed to be a really good movie. Um, or at least was. I don't know if it holds up with some of the content of it. but And then Zardoz, which uh, is most famous for, the, I believe its poster is Sean Connery in like red Speedo underwear kind of thing. What? Uh, yeah, look up Zardoz. Oh, uh, if I'm am. not mistaken, Zardoz is one of the worst movies, um, or at least said to be. Uh, I could be wrong. Maybe it's beloved. Um, it's a 5.8, a 47 Rotten Tomatoes. So it's not, it's not loved, but it's not as hated as I just made it sound. Um, yeah, it's the the poster boy, Sean Connery. Um, that outfit. You got to go looking for like I guess ah there it is. Ooh, oh, I IMD. found it. Oh no. Yeah, that is an outfit. Um, very he man esque, like it totally looks like a diaper with a gun belt. I guess around um, some suspenders yeah. um, crisscrossed. Yeah, uh, but not as bad rated as Exorcist uh, three. This is this was three years before uh, Exorcist two. Sorry, Exorcist two. Um, so he's not like a beloved director to begin with, and uh, again, Zardoz, I, I felt like it had a, a much worse score than it actually did. So that's worth noting. But um, yeah, but apparently Borman gets sick, and Borman, according to this article. Um, Borman saw he didn't like The Exorcist, uh, and he he didn't like The Exorcist. Um, he felt like this film, The Exorcist Two, was less of a follow up and more of a response to the original's issue. So, like, this is the things he didn't like about the first film. He tried to a a conversate with. So, for example, he had a problem with the treatment of Reagan. He viewed it as torturing Reagan. Um. And uh, in this movie, she has more autonomy. Like, she's more independent. Um, yes, she has trauma, but she makes she's actively making choices in this film versus just being the kind of, you know, the kid who's being controlled, being beaten and injured uh, by the demon. Here, she's making choices. Even though the demon's supposedly still, like, lurking inside of her, she has a lot more agency in that way. And it's hard to tell if the demon's actually ever controlling her or if everyone around her is being controlled to bring her back to the demon. You know what I mean? Like it feels more like they're trying to bring her back to her home so that Pazuzu or whatever the heck the, uh, the demon can take her again. You know what I mean? That was like a thing. I, I wasn't sure at times um, if she was aware that she like, cause like when she makes the kid talk, that scene was kind of weird and I didn't fully understand what we were supposed to get from that, but it was like, she definitely was making choices. And again, I thought Blair did a pretty solid job. I think some of the dialogue real, real bad. Um, and I think the whole, the whole ending is a bit much, uh, especially her caregiver, like burning herself to death. And like that whole thing was the woman holding the body. Like there's so many things. Um, uh, and James Earl Jones, oh man, the same year as Star Wars, uh, he's voicing Vader, and he's over in this movie being made to, to like roar like a, a leopard, I think it was. Um, yeah, that again, there's a lot of bad. Not saying there's not bad, but I think also because Matt really hyped it up as this like he's you're gonna watch this horrible movie. 
And maybe that's just Matt being nice, uh, or maybe Matt really views it as just like torturous event. I think that I Matt didn't really hates it. it. Yeah, I didn't view it as torture. Um, I again, I'm not like gonna rewatch it tomorrow or anything like that. But or ever, um, probably ever. Realistically, uh, I did find it. I do find it easier to watch than The Exorcist because not a lot really happens for a while in this movie. By it comparison, like a thirty like, minute. Yeah, the the end of the movie is really where the exorcist elements come back into it. Um, there's a lot of cheesy stuff throughout the film. I didn't like the POV of the Lotus Locus. Excuse me for t- continuing to mess up the the creature's name. Um, but yeah, I, you know, um, was there anything specific that you hated? Uh, so the story was. Hmm. Hmm. I really, 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 really hated with them, like, I don't know what the correct term is, so don't come at me. But when they were, like, putting the images over the top of the other images. Superimposed. Superimposed. I thought it was, I was going to say imposing, but I was like, that's not correct. Um, I really didn't like that at all. I feel like. I mean, they did that a lot. Yeah, a lot. And I'm just like, okay, guys, we get it. Pull back. Um, yeah, I just, like I said, I had such a hard time watching this movie because it's not good. It's boring. See, I didn't, I didn't find it completely boring. I do think the story gets a little like he, like the father flying out, even the premise, because he's supposed to be like investigating um, uh, Father Marin's death. And I'm just like, why though? It's been like four years and like suddenly we're investigating it. That seems unlikely and and, trying to get her back to the house. Like, but he, so at some point he becomes touched by the Lotus, I guess. And he's a locust. I did it again. Um, and is like possessed by Pazuzu. And is he making out with Reagan when he first gets there? Like at the house? Like, does he like, is he kissing her? That's what it looked like like on the neck. Right. That was creepy. Didn't really understand that part of it. Um, like, cause they do, they do slightly sexualize Reagan. Granted, she's, she's no longer a kid in this. I don't know how old she actually was, but I read something and I think she's 16. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that what I read was wrong, but. Well, so it's four years, right? And that's, that seems right. I, I feel like she's like 12 in the first movie. So that would be. If it was real time. Um, I don't know how old Linda Blair was, is what I actually was saying. Oh, also. sorry. Okay. But because he's also not kissing her. He's kissing the demon that's in. But that's not in her because she's Reagan standing there. And there's someone in the bed. So that's also a little confusing, right? Yeah. Linda Blair was 18? Yeah. Because they, they do kind of like, they don't fully sexualize her but they that obviously him like kissing on the the demon still sexualizes her to a degree it might be commentary on the catholic priests and and children um probably not but maybe um uh yeah there's definitely stuff i don't fully get what they're trying to say again but they are i don't know i would i'm not saying this movie's not a failure i'm saying that it's a failure who stepped in, did a lot of work, tried to do something, and it just doesn't work, versus it just being complete, you know, Nonsense. lack of effort. Yeah, there's, I don't know, because... I feel like that could have been more fun. I'm not saying it's not bad. Sure. But, but see, then I feel like you're laughing, like, we're laughing at Sleepaway Camp, too. They're laughing you're not, at it. Yeah, but that's, that, I don't, see, in some ways that bothers me, too, because, like, why Why make it if you don't think it's good, right? I feel like when he was making this movie, he was trying to make a good movie. And he just came up short with areas. Or maybe he Versus, was... like... Well, I think you could... Like, there are people who would argue what I'm saying right now about The Room. Like, I think The Room is utter trash. This is the Tommy Wasafa. I have enjoyed laughing at that movie because there are things in it that I'm just like, how could anyone have thought this was good? But the original... If you watch The Disaster Artist, the argument is made that Wasau thought he was making a drama. 
And then when he realized people thought it was funny because it was bad, he went with that and just started saying, that was what I was doing. I don't believe that. I think he, since he was sincerely trying to make a movie and he didn't under, like, if you've ever heard the guy talk, he doesn't sound like he understands people like that. He knows what a person is like, like, yes, you would think a person would know it's debatable of whether, whether or not Tommy was, was actually from this planet. That said, that movie doesn't, it, it, there's still that there. I still feel like he, it, he was trying. I have a harder time accepting it there. So again, I'm not using that as a criticism to get people to watch this movie. If you were to say, should I watch The Exorcist 2? I would be like, well, do you like The Exorcist 1? And you're like, yeah. I'm like, probably not then because this isn't going to do anything for you. Yeah, it's not going to do anything for you because it's not the same movie. It's It shouldn't have the title The Exorcist in it because really there's no exorcism in the film, right? It's about the investigation of an exorcism and the aftermath of the exorcism, which could be a really, I mean, there's a lot of area that could have been explored that does make this feel like a misstep. And I'm not saying it's not a misstep. I just, I don't think it's the worst. It's not the worst movie I've ever seen by any means. And I think that's important to note. Um, And I'm going to, the worst sequels because I, I actually did this before we watched it because I was curious to see where it fell. Um, and it didn't pop up on the, the list I initially looked up. But there's some like some dumb sequels too that just exist, you know? Um, like the Jaws sequels I think are all really bad. I don't think any of the Jaws sequels are good. Jaws 4 in do, particular is awful. Do you think though that Jaws isn't Jaws like your favorite movie? I don't think it's just one of your favorite movies. I feel like it's in my top five. It's in my top if five. If it came down to, you know, so do you think that how you feel about the first one, you know, affects how you feel about the other ones? Maybe like how Matt feels about the first one. You know what I mean? Oh, again, I'm not. I I, I know attempting that to argue it as like anyone's wrong for thinking it's the worst sequel. I just was. I went into this expecting to be completely miserable and that this was trash and i didn't think it was total trash i did laugh at several parts i I did watch f9 today i want to point that out f9 not a great sequel it's very stupid it's a lot of i don't even think it's that much fun i think seven is the epitome of like dumb and fun i think eight was not super great and i think nine is a little better than eight like if we're getting up to double digits we need to just stop yeah, and that's the, the other thing, too, is I think at some point it's like, is it a sequel anymore? Grown Ups 2 is a great example where I really like the first movie, and then the second movie feels like they were trying... they Everything that worked in the first movie is just not here in the second movie. It's so bad. Um, Teen Wolf 2 is on this list that I'm looking at. This is the Rotten Tomatoes 50 Worst Sequels. I like Teen Wolf 2, but it is exactly the same movie, just with boxing instead of basketball, and you, you have Jason Bateman instead of Michael J. Fox. Um, Problem Child 2, which I think is the one my mom is in. Uh, yeah, she's in extras. They, they filmed it in Florida, and she got thrown up on. And there's a scene at the amusement park, and uh, they had a bunch of extras, and my mom was one of them. Um, okay, so The Next Karate Kid is on this list. I haven't seen it since I was in high school. I like The Next Karate Kid. That's Hillary Swank is the karate kid in that one. I um, that and Walton Goggins is in that movie, and I had forgotten that until recently, and it was completely thrown. Um but as a kid, I liked it, but I just liked all the, I liked all the martial art movies as a kid. So it's probably not, it's probably really bad. Um, scrolling through a lot of these are like B movies. Like they have like the rise of Taj, which is the Van Wilder sequel. Like Van Wilder is funny, but it's not like a great movie. So like, of course the sequel that was straight to DVD isn't good either, you know? And I still know what you did last summer. And I, I think don't the first remember. one wasn't even good. I re- right. watched it a few years, a couple years ago. Just I don't know why. I don't like any of the actors in that movie. They're not any good, even by Mm-mm. you know standards back then. And I was just like, oh my god. See, and they have Major League Two on this list, and that really makes me mad. I love Major League Two. I love Major League. Major League is amazing. I like the second movie. It's not perfect, but I think it continues the story. Um, I find the jokes funny. I don't agree with that. It's got a 5% in Rotten Tomatoes. I, that's, that bothers me. Um, I like the major league. I even like the third one that has Scott Bakula in it. Uh, nope. Yes. Scott Bakula. 
That was Quantum Leap guy, right? Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I, I like that. Boo, ah, Medea's Halloween the number two, the one we had to watch, is on this list. That's appropriate because that movie's trash. I feel trash. redeemed. Um, I never saw it. Speed Two is on this list. Uh, Robocop Three is very bad. Mortal Kombat Two might be the worst sequel ever. Mortal Kombat Annihilation is real bad. Again, I like the first Mortal Kombat movie. It's probably not much better critically com- by comparison to Annihilation, but Annihilation just did everything wrong, and they recast a lot of people because they didn't have the money to get some of the actors back. Just awful. Um, yeah, a lot of these are just like straight to DVD. Movie. Wow. Police Academy 4 has a zero Rotten Tomato score. Um, Jaws the Revenge, which is number four, is number two on this list, and that's appropriate. There's a scene in that movie. Michael Caine is in Jaws 4, just to give some context here. He is in the water, climbs out of the water, and is completely dry. No. 100% dry. Like, no. That's, there's, I mean, Guarantee you can find that on YouTube, listener, uh, to verify that I just said that, or that it exists. Um, but, ow, I think that's all we need to say about The Heretic. I didn't like it. I didn't hate it. I definitely would say it's, I would say it's not a total waste of time for two reasons. Um, they do try some things, and some of those things are, are interesting. They don't all work. And I do think Linda Blair is given a good performance. Um and I don't know much about her career, but there, I think she had like a very troubled career after these movies. So, I, in case anyone's interested, they did have on uh, Shutter. I watched it probably a couple months ago, so I don't know if it's still there. But they, I did watch a movie with her in it uh, called Hell Night. Is that like a recent movie of her? Or like no, eighty one. Oh, okay she's like in a sorority or something and they have to stay the night in a supposed haunted like castle type house it's fine ah well there you go listeners um I- i'm assuming Corey, yours is uh um, mm-hmm. avoid like the plague yeah so that's it uh we have fulfilled our- my obligation to matt um before we wrap up today let's look ahead to july 2021 it's a five week month that means there's gonna be five episodes with this theme and our theme for july is biopics um following our general rules for the show one of us has to have never seen the movie for us to pick it um so we will have five biopics that neither or in many cases neither of us have seen in fact i have seen none of the movies on our list um and Corey, have you seen uh 42 or capote mm-hmm. so that means all five movies in July will be uh, first-time watches for both of us, which I don't know if it's, it's definitely happened before, but it doesn't happen every month. A lot of times uh, one of us will have seen the movie, um, although it just happened last this month, too. Not, we had not seen any of the movies we watched this month. But uh, for biopics, starting with our next episode, we're going to be watching Into the Wild. And it stars Emile Hirsch. Uh, there's a lot of other people in it, but uh, he is the lead in that. Um, the next week we're going to do 42, the, uh, Jackie Robinson biopic. Um, we're then watching the Nicholas Winding Refn, Tom Hardy movie, Bronson, uh, which I didn't know was a biopic until tonight when we were rash picking these films before at the episode. It's my fault. Um, someone didn't do her homework. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm going to get Capote. Uh, we're watching Capote with Philip Seymour Hoffman's movie. I have now owned for like four years and I'm finally going to check it off my list. Um, and then. Uh, the I think the most interesting biopic, as far as like the depiction of the the figure, is I'm not there, which has six different actors playing Bob Dylan. Um, and so that'll be interesting because all the other ones, it's like one person getting to play this iconic person. Um, and it might also be the only one of the the biopics where the person that is being portrayed was still alive. Oh, when they were being portrayed. I'm not sure about Bronson because, again, I didn't know that was a biopic, so I don't actually know who the real guy is and what happened to him, so I, I have no clue. Um, but I'm, I know for a fact Capote was dead before uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, and I don't 100% know if Jackie Robinson was dead when they made 42, but I feel probably. And, spoiler, but I'm pretty sure Into the Wild is because the dude is dead um, that it, we know about his story, if I'm not mistaken. I think that's kind of the whole framing of that story. I might be wrong, but I'm I'm pretty sure Probably that's right. why we know about this story. Um, it's like Grizzly Man. 
Um, so that's our, our lineup for the month of July. Uh, we will be back next week with one of those episodes. We'd love to hear your thoughts on any of the unwanted movies or any of the biopics that we have coming up in the month of July. So you can follow us on social media to share your thoughts. I am at Burke reviews on all the platforms and Corey at Corey, R star two R's on the end. And if you like what we do at movie club podcast, we ask that you take just a few minutes and rate and review us so that other people can uh, hopefully find our podcast and join in the conversation. Um, It's been a lot of fun watching these sequels that nobody wanted. Um, Especially I thought, you know, raid two and the curse of the cat people were pretty good. Sleepaway Camp 2 was a surprisingly fun movie. I've been kind of itching to watch the third one. Haven't done it yet. Um, And The Exorcist 2 was, I think, a very thoughtful look at what movies, how movies can go wrong, um, even with the best of intentions, or maybe not the best of intentions, but at least with intentions. Um, And I look forward to these biopics because I like learning about real life people because sometimes I'm like, wow, I should have known about this person long, long ago. So... That's it. Uh, We'll be back next week with our first biopic movie, Into the Wild. Until next time, keep watching movies. Hey, this is Matt from What I Watched Tonight. Come join me in the back row for movie discussion, retrospective episodes with guests, director-focused shows, end-of-year rankings, start-of-the-year predictions, and much, much more. There's more going on in the back row than you might think. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast, burkereviews.com.